Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults age 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 4.03. Tate is here producing. If you're just touching base, among the stories we're discussing, a high school in Houston says that it's become so violent and chaotic that the kids have to turn in their cell phones at the beginning of the school day and cannot get them back until the end of the day. The principal says fights have started over things being said or shared on the phones, and he says that's it. No more phones in the hands of the students throughout the day at James Madison High School. Also, we have a verdict in that case in Michigan where the mother of a school shooter was on trial for involuntary manslaughter This is the case where they bought the kid a gun. He took it to school and murdered four students. The mom and dad are both on charges of involuntary manslaughter, and the mother was convicted today. And, Melinda, again, right before the top of the hour, you mentioned the jury forewoman revealed what the thinking was of the jury and what really hammered home that the mother was guilty in this case. Well, and all she said was that... It was because the mother was the last adult with the gun. That was what really sealed this conviction for them. That, with all of the other testimony that they heard, but that she was the last one, I guess, to them. I'm reading into this. This isn't what she said, but I'm guessing that they said, okay, well, then she didn't secure it. That left it open and available for her son to take to the school. I think, in in my opinion— Some of the most convincing evidence was the diary of the son who murdered the students. And he indicated that he had cried out for some kind of mental health help, and the parents were ignoring his cries for help. And here's one part that he wrote in his diary. I have zero help for my mental health problems. It's causing me to shoot up the blanking school. And remember, this is the one where the parents – had known he had mental problems. They bought him a gun anyway, took him to the range to help him learn how to use it, and then they got a call from the school. Would you please come up here and take him home? He's making very disturbing drawings in class, and the parents got up and left, and they never said to the school, oh, by the way, we bought him a gun recently. Right. Uh, Have you searched him? Have you checked everything? Um, And then the school official's testimony, which is the first that I had heard of this, that the school had told the family, you need to get him mental health help immediately. Here is a list of different facilities that will treat the same day. So if that's what the school officials indeed told them, and then they turned around and said, well, I have to get back to work and left, there, there are so many things in here. It wasn't just one thing. If it was one thing, perhaps you, you, you don't uh, hold them accountable. But there were a series of things 
that went on in this house that should have never happened that led that I I believe led to this. Yeah, they introduced text messages where the 15-year-old boy is texting his mother saying, I'm being chased by a demon. The demon is throwing things across the room. Didn't hear anything from mom. Then he texts, at least text me back. And all throughout the trial, the prosecution was painting this image of a mom and dad who were totally out to lunch. They were negligent, didn't give him the care he needed. And I'm sure that was very powerful for the jury here. Especially because it contrasted so much with the defense's argument or, or, or the mom that said, we were close. We were very close. I had a close relationship with my son. And then you read what he had written in his diary. And I know you have to take that kind of as is. It's obvious he had some mental health issues. So it's possible uh, that that was just his interpretation or it was made up by him but it does point that this kid knew he wasn't right and then the parents appeared to try to escape law enforcement after the shooting they went on the run yeah they took out all of the money in his bank account all of the money in their bank account they still say that they were running because they were getting death threats but I don't even hold that into the equation of whether or not they should be convicted of the involuntary manslaughter. I am looking at just their actions. You have a troubled teen and you say, hey, let's go purchase you with the gun you want. And then you're not making sure that when y'all aren't together using it at the range that it is completely secured. You didn't even mention it to school officials when you were called up there for drawings of killing someone with a gun, whether it's the bullets or whatever, you know that that's related to the gun, and yet you didn't mention it. They tell you your son needs to go immediately to a mental health facility, and you get up and walk out? Very reckless conduct on the part of the parents. Very reckless. Criminally reckless, in my view. Dangerously reckless. And obviously, that was the view of the jury, too, that came back with guilty on all four counts. Legal experts say this may be the first time parents are being held criminally accountable in one of these school shootings. The mom just got convicted today. Fifteen years is the max on each of the counts. She was convicted on all four counts of involuntary manslaughter. There's a law professor in the Wall Street Journal article about the trial who's saying this is setting a very dangerous precedent for parents. He believes it's opening up a very dangerous door to prosecute more parents. And he says, for example, if if a kid uses anything in the house and goes out to harm someone, then the parents might be prosecuted. That's his view of this. I I don't agree with that argument. We're not talking about this kid went and found something in the house and then went and did this and and the parents are being held responsible. We're talking about someone who had mental health issues that was crying out to the parents that the school was telling them there's something wrong here. You need to get him help. And their answer was to go and purchase a gun and allow for continued access to that gun. And they had multiple uh, efforts or opportunities, rather, to stop him right up almost almost until the last minute. 
Absolutely. And they chose not to. It reminds me of the shooting in the suburb of Chicago on the 4th of July, where the kid took the rifle on top of the building and started murdering people in the parade. The dad took him to go shop and buy a rifle right before that mass murder, even though the dad knew the son was mentally ill and the son had tried to kill the dad, the mother, and the daughter. And the dad still bought him a rifle. To me, that is just, that is helping them carry out whatever craziness that they're choosing to carry out. And I think he, that that dad that you're mentioning there, he had to pay a fine for all of that. Um, maybe we're moving in the right way. And I know that we've ha- we have people that listen and other people that would say, this is this is dangerous that that parents now could be liable for all kinds of things. And I, I think that there's this, which is way out there, and then something different as if they take something like that law professor, just take something from the house and and hurt someone with it. These parents, in this case, engaged in such egregious behavior, they need to be held accountable exactly. by the legal system. Here exactly. are the numbers, 512-836-0590. We'd like to hear your thoughts. It's Mark and Melinda, live and local, 412 at KLBJ. And now, back to The Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 415, hope you're having a great day. Thank you for joining us. Here is the comment from the law professor in the Wall Street Journal. Jeffrey Swartz is his name. He's a criminal law professor at Cooley Law School in Michigan. He says this case we're talking about right now sets a very dangerous precedent. Anything in your house that could be a weapon could be a basis for you, the parent, to be held liable if your child did anything to hurt someone. This is Keith in Round Rock at KLBJ. Good afternoon, Keith. How are you? How you doing? Great, Keith. Welcome. I don't know why he's so surprised. Parents have been responsible for their children for years. If you were, if the child stole something, the parent was responsible to do restitution. If they hurt somebody or killed somebody in the car, they were responsible for the restitution. Why would this be any different if you kill somebody in a car because you were 16 years old and you were foolish versus you were went out and you took a gun and you shot somebody. It's still the parent's responsibility for the child to teach them right from wrong. If the parent did not do that, that's the parent's failure, not the society's. So, yeah, the parent should be held responsible. All right, Keith, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. You can call. You can text to join the conversation. Should she get the maximum sentence? 15 years on each count, I would give her the max. No question about it. I would, too. When you hear all of the evidence that was presented in this trial, this wasn't, you know, a mom and dad that had a bad day or were distracted on one day. This was this, it sounds like, entire life um, that they were making bad decisions in regards to this child. I don't want to call him a child. He is a, he's a monster. He he did. He was the one mm-hmm. that carried out the act, and uh, he has he has his sentence. But yeah, absolutely, she should be sentenced to the max. They did nothing to even try 
to step in and prevent this from happening. In fact, I would say they aided it in happening by going out and purchasing the gun that he wanted and then making sure that he had access to it at all times, apparently. Also in the news today, President Biden is speaking out about the big topic we discussed yesterday, the money for Ukraine, for Israel, for Gaza, and for the U.S. border. And he's saying if the bill does not pass, he knows exactly where he's going to put the blame and where he believes that all of us should put the blame for this failure. A failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. The position of the MAGA Republicans can be characterized by the New York Times headline. First, and this is the headline, it reads, Trump first, Putin second, America third. That cannot pertain. That was President Biden uh, shortly before 2 o'clock Austin time. So he says, the, uh, as he puts it, the MAGA Republicans put the best interest of our country third on their list. Which is quite interesting and quite the spin, especially when he started that with their failure to support Ukraine. That's not the part that I'm hearing the Republicans having the biggest issue with. It's about the administration putting America last, just like he did in that statement there, because it was about money for Ukraine. When the Republicans and a lot of Americans are saying, we want our border secured first, then we can consider helping other countries secure theirs. But why would we help them until ours is secured first? And it was President Biden's idea to lump all of this together, Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, and the border. Uh, Here's more from President Biden today talking about what will happen if this package does not get approved by Congress. But if the bill fails, I want to be absolutely clear about something. The American people are going to know why it failed. I'll be taking this issue to the country and the voters are going to know that it's not just a moment, just at the moment, we're going to secure the border and fund these other programs. Trump and the MAGA Republicans said no, because they're afraid of Donald Trump, (laughs) afraid of Donald Trump. Every day between now and November, the American people are going to know that the only reason the border is not secure is Donald Trump and his MAGA Republican friends. I, it has to hurt to lie that much. It really does. I, I Internally, he's got to be really hurting to lie that much. Um, I'm going to bring it to the American people to know that it's the Republicans that didn't secure the border. My first question, if he brought it to this American person, would be, so how does this bill secure the border? You're allowing, you're still allowing for people to enter illegally. What politician, especially those that make up the law of the nation, think it's okay to let people do so, commit an illegal act? By the thousands every day. Yeah. At, at least 4,000 or 5,000 every day. The voters are not going to believe that Biden is the one who wants to clamp down on the border and Trump is the open borders guy. It's, they know, in reality, it's the opposite. It was Trump who had it locked down. Biden's the one who wanted it opened up, and he did. And all you have to do is go back through the years and see the number of people that crossed illegally. That number's never been zero. 
we know that. But when you compare it to, and we'll have to go back and look at 2019, but 2020, which I know was a a crazy year with the pandemic, there were 400,000 that crossed. And then it jumped up to over, well over a million the first year of President Biden. And it has continued to climb every single year. So how is it that Trump has created this problem? Trump did not. But that's going to be the line that Biden uses, as he put it, from now until Election Day. Here's more from Biden today. So Republicans have to decide, who do they serve? Donald Trump or the American people? Are they here to solve problems or just weaponize those problems for political purposes? I know my answer. I serve the American people. I'm here to solve problems. And he uh, also made another pitch for the $60 billion for Ukraine. First, it provides urgent funding for Ukraine. I'm wearing my Ukraine tie, my Ukraine pin, which I've been wearing because they're, they're in dire straits right now defending themselves against a Russian onslaught. A brutal conquest. The clock is ticking. Every week, every month that passes without new aid Ukraine means fewer artillery shells, fewer defense air, air defense systems, fewer tools for Ukraine to defend itself against this Russian onslaught. Just what Putin wants. Then split the items into separate votes. Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, the border. Standalone votes. It was your idea, Mr. President, to lump them all into one package, split them up, and have four separate votes. And the only reason that they wanted that was because they knew what they were going to offer up as border security would in no way meet anybody's definition of border security. And then they could sit back and say exactly what they're saying. Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, acknowledged this afternoon there are not nine Republicans ready to vote with all 51 Democrats in the Senate to move this thing forward. McConnell also said, I hope at some point we can vote to help Ukraine and Israel and maybe come back at a separate time and do something on the border. That's what Mitch McConnell said in his comments shortly after the president spoke today. We'd like to get your thoughts on all of this. 512-836-0590. What's your analysis of all of this? 512-836-0590. Again, McConnell has it backwards. We know where you stand, McConnell. We know you want all the money for Ukraine, but it should be present a border bill and then we'll come back and do Ukraine and Israel. Uh, this is James on KLBJ with Mark and Melinda. Good afternoon, James. Afternoon, sir. Yeah, somebody I ask old Smoke and Joe who he's serving. That would be the $64 question, Is it sure as hell ain't us. It, it doesn't appear that way with just policies that he has made from day one. They don't seem to be very pro-American. No, and all the polls back that up. We have one today that says 59% of Americans, including 43% of Democrats, now say, yes, we want a wall built to stop illegal immigration. 59%. And Biden is the one who announced on day one, I won't build another inch of a wall. Sold off the pieces of the wall. He campaigned on uh, bringing a surge of migrants over the border. And he has. I, you can give him that. He uh, 
follow through with his campaign promise. Let's go to Tony in Temple at 425. Hi, Tony. Welcome. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Um, when one of you guys said that it must hurt the president when he lies, uh, my initial response before I almost drove off the road <laughs> was, uh, you know, I don't think so. Uh, I used to tell my daughter there was a sure way to know that if a guy that wanted to date her, there's a sure way to know if he was lying. And that is if his lips were moving. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I've given up on trying to understand all this uh, Biden stuff, political stuff, Democrat stuff. But I do have one thought on, on Ukraine. You know, we borrow the money to give to them. Why are we giving money to them? Why don't we do that as a loan? And that they've got to pay it back. Yeah, a lot of people have brought that question up, Tony, in recent weeks. Let me ask you uh, one more question related to all of this. Biden says he's now going to campaign and say Biden is the guy that wants to close the border, but Trump wants an open border. Do you think the voters are going to buy that from Biden? I, I think the way it's going nowadays, I think there's some voters that just are going to vote Biden regardless of whether or what he says. I, you know, I'm of this, I'm of the type of thought that Biden. There's so many crazy people behind Biden. It's enough for him just to read his teleprompter. Uh, it's an embarrassment. And uh, I don't know how anybody buys into anything that he says, sadly. All right. Tony, thank you. 512-836-0590. Call or text us. We will work in more of your comments coming up just ahead. It's Mark and Melinda on News Radio KLBJ. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. 432, we hope you're having a great afternoon. Tate is here producing, and Patricia is with us. Hi, Patricia, how are you? Hi, doing well, thank you. Um, I was calling to talk about uh, this border issue. Yes, what are your thoughts on it, Patricia? Well, uh, first of all, it should be the very first thing that they vote on, the very first bill. They should all be separated out, and the border should be closed. And uh, the other thing is, I read that article uh, yesterday, and one of the things that jumped out at me is that they were, first of all, America's mentioned last, and they were only giving us 10, uh, 10 billion or million, I don't even know what it, uh, but it was a lot lower number than the amount they were going to fund for other places that aren't America. Ukraine uh, gets $60 billion and the border, actually, they're saying $20 billion. So it's one-third the amount Ukraine would get. You're right about that. That's a travesty. That's, that's ridiculous. We need to vote on closing the border first and um, everything else after our borders are secure. We do. We need to secure our border and and I know we keep talking about a, a bill needs that needs to be the first thing. And many people have called or text and pointed out we have laws on the books as is. Yes, we, do. we don't need money. We don't need a bill. We just need a leader that will enforce those laws and things would change. And that's truly what is needed. And it does need to come first 
before we start passing money for other countries. I, I full, wholeheartedly agree. And um, there was something else I was going to say, but I didn't want to interrupt. Sorry. Um, I can be long-winded uh, sometime, Patricia. Sure. Oh, no, no. Now remember, <laughs> the American people need to hold this in their brains, too. We need to stop being a 15-minute nation and remember everything that you just brought up, talking about Biden said he campaigned on opening the borders and everything else. It's, you know, we, we need to hold these people and what they say to account, too. Patricia, one point President Biden made today in favor of this package is, he said, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is supporting the border measures. He says the Chamber of Commerce is for it, therefore we should all be for it. What do you make of that point? Um, well, who at the uh, National Chamber of Commerce? I, I'd ask, I wouldn't ask the Austin Chamber either, but... Um, no, I, I, I could I could care less about what some talking head at, at the head of some nonprofit says. All right, thank you, Patricia. Have a good afternoon. That just adds to the how out of touch you are. Who even knew we had a national chamber of commerce, much less care what they say? I don't. <laughs> he was really hammering that point. He said the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is for it. The Wall Street Journal editorial board is for it, and the Border Patrol Council Union is for it. He said all three of those are for the border package. The only one out of the three of those would be what do what does the Border Patrol agents want? And I know the union came out yesterday and said they would support it. I personally think that's because... Anything is better than nothing. Anything is better than what they have right now. And I think that that's probably how they're seeing it. I am seeing more today where there is contention between uh, people within Border Patrol or representing Border Patrol as to whether or not this is good for them. Well, uh, just last week, the president of the Border Patrol Council Union, Brandon Judd, told Fox, we don't need any new laws. We don't need any more money. We don't need more Border Patrol agents. We need a president who gives us the green light to enforce current laws. That's what he said. Now, something changed over the course of the last few days so that he now is saying they're supporting this package. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it is the help that they would think they would get, but is he not the same person? There was someone in Border Patrol that said, we can't hire. It doesn't matter if you say we can have 1,300 more positions. You can have the open positions. doesn't mean you're filling them. Yeah, that's Brandon Judd. He's been saying that for quite a while. Well, it would be interesting to see what has changed in just a few weeks that they would now be in support of what was presented because it just truly is not, it's not security. Alec is with us from Pflugerville, 437. Hi, Alec. Welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you, guys. How are y'all? Great, sir. Welcome. I just had a quick comment on the military spending. I don't have a problem helping Ukraine destroy more Russian military stuff. It means less that NATO and us would have to kill later. Likewise, with Israel, less terrorists that we have to kill later. But... My main point is that if we don't smack Iran on the nose now and hard, 
we, this will spiral out of control. Um, that destroyer that had to use the Sea Wiz, that's that R2D thing, R2D2 looking thing with the Gatling gun on the bottom. Yes. They had to use that for the first time in combat, which means the initial missiles we shot to shoot down that cruise missile missed. So are you are you are you so are you saying uh, that we need military strikes inside of Iranian soil? I think we either hit where they're making those drones or where they're housing those drones. We just take them off the board. Okay. So yes, I do. All right, and what about um, sanctions or enforcing sanctions on their oil exports, etc.? Are you in favor of that as well? It takes too long. Take it off the board. They're attacking international shipping with those drones. Just take them off the board. The last time Iran tried to take on the Navy, we sank half of their surface fleet. They need to get punched in the nose. They've obviously forgotten those lessons that they learned back in 86. Well, the strikes that occurred over the weekend uh, have not deterred them. You're right on that, Alec. Uh, They were launching new strikes within 30 minutes or so on U.S. targets and the Red Sea. We just need to take their weapons off the board. Alec, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Well, there was an article today that was talking about don't hold your breath. Biden's not going to make those kinds of moves because, again, it comes back to trying to win an election. They were talking about not wanting to hit inside Iran. I know he's talking about the drones, hit the drones, but not wanting to hit inside Iran because that's the potential for damaging fuel. And if you do that, what happens here at home? Our prices start to go up and people will hold that against whoever's in office. So don't want to go there. It's all about political games in getting reelected. And that, for me personally, is why I, I'm done with politics, because it's not about doing what's in the best interest of the nation. It's about how do I get elected again if I choose mm-hmm. to run? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an editorial by Liz Peake. And you're right. She's saying uh, Biden does not want a military strike on Iran's oil production facilities, nor does he really want to enforce sanctions to cut down the money they're making from their exports because it would result in a price increase at the pump. And uh, his approval ratings are so low, that's the last thing he wants in an election year. So she says that's why he really won't go after Iran to really hit them where it hurts in their oil business. And then she she lays out a lot of numbers showing how they were exporting 1.9 million barrels a day until Trump imposed and enforced sanctions, and Trump brought their exports down to 500,000 barrels a day, which really crippled their economy. Biden lifted those, and then they started exporting more and more and more. They're now at 1.8 million barrels a day, almost to where they were at their peak, and their economy has rebounded under Biden. Again, it just speaks to how do I get elected, not what's best for the people that I was elected to represent. And remember the soundbite we just played, where he claims, I'm the one working for you, the American people. Yeah. <laughs> Trump's the As guy. As I that, wear the Ukrainian tie. And yes. Pin. <laughs> Trump's the guy that wants a wide open border. 
I'm the tough on border guy. 512-836-0590. It's 442 with Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. The Democrat mayor of Denver says they're now telling illegal immigrants they have to leave the Denver shelter because they've been there too long. So many illegal aliens are arriving day after day in Denver that they just don't have the capacity anymore to hold thousands of illegal immigrants in these shelters. So on Monday, about 140 families were removed. They'll begin ejecting another 800 families from shelters as they try to deal with the massive flow into Denver. Uh, remind me what the Denver mayor said about Texas busing people to Denver because this little line in the story about, well, we're buying tickets, bus <laughs> tickets for these migrants so that we can ship them to either Chicago or New York really stood out to me. Yes, yes, that is uh, rich, isn't it? They're spending the Denver taxpayer money to bus illegal immigrants to other deep blue cities. Yeah, and if I recall when this first started, this was one of those mayors that just could not believe the audacity of Abbott doing that. And here they are. They've reached capacity, and now they're having to send out. And again, it is such a fraction of the numbers that we see in Texas. 3,813 illegal immigrants. And they couldn't handle it. In Denver, yes, are being sheltered, according to Mayor Mike Johnson. He says we're at full capacity. He says we're this close to the breaking point. And he estimates that this could cost Denver taxpayers $180 million. That's on the low side of the estimate. 512-836-0590. Dean is in South Austin, 448. Hi, Dean. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, um, I could be better. I could be worse. <laughs> so um, what I was calling about is this disaster down at the border. The president has absolutely no excuse for any of this crap that's going on. The uh, criminal invasion is intentional. You know, th- this president's administration, because I really don't think he's in control of much, is intentionally destroying this country that we live in. You know, he could have closed the border immediately, and he really opened the border up after he became president. But Section 212F of the Immigration and Naturalization Act says that the president, he, he can suspend the entry of all aliens' entry into this country at, at any time. He can stop it, close the border. And it's obvious that they're choosing not to. Mayorkas apparently has marching orders to violate the law and just let millions of people in here. And who knows? I mean, they could be, you know, it could be totally tyrannical that they're importing an army to, you know, destroy this country. Because we see Chinese people, we see Iranian people, we see Syrian people, we see countries that are on, you know, and and people that they bust that are on the terrorist watch list. They are importing people that can potentially destroy our country. And it looks intentional. Well I, well, I think it absolutely is intentional. And back to your point about the president has the authority to do this. Uh, he he took executive orders on day one, reversing policies that were down at the border. 
That's one of the push. Yeah, th- that's one of the pushbacks from Republicans are you don't need us to do anything. You can do another EO really easy like you did on day one. Another thing I saw today during the White House press briefing was that Jean-Pierre was asked, OK, y'all continue to say that immigration system is broken. In fact, President Biden said that today. Immigration system is broken. And the reporter asked, well, did Biden just confirm that Mayorkas gave Congress false information saying the border was secure? Interesting question, uh, to which Jean-Pierre said, that's a ridiculous premise and ridiculous statements. I just want to be very, very clear. That's ridiculous. (laughs) She was also asked about, well, who had Congress? On day one, that's something else I'll continue to say is that you put forth something that would fix this on day one. Who had control of Congress on day one? It's the Republicans that are standing in the way is the answer to that. So even though it was Pelosi, Speaker of the House. Right. They had they had control of the House. They had control of the Senate and they had the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. They could have easily sat down and, de- and we can say the same thing for Republicans, too, because I don't want you to think, oh, well, I'm just on that. The Republicans had every opportunity to do that in the first couple of years of Trump's administration to really make the changes on the border if they want to. It all comes down to this. They don't want to. Dean, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Let's go to Janet on KLBJ. Hello, Janet. How are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you all doing? Very well, Janet. Welcome. Thank you. I, I just just a quick comment. I realize it's not going to be a popular one, but I'm, I, I think maybe there's at least one more person out there that feels that I'm just tired of war. Very, very tired of it. I wish we could work towards peace. I wish we could work towards understanding our differences, understanding each other's cultures and respecting the different cultures and differences and as as a nation as such a powerful nation with such great richness and history I wish we could use that knowledge and expertise and the differences that we have here in our country use all that knowledge towards creating peace in the world that's all that's that's really all I want to say how would how would that apply to the situation in Ukraine where they're at war with Russia what are your thoughts on that I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not a historian. I don't know the details of how all of that started, what the history is behind there. I know there's a lot of cultural uh, differences that occur over there. Um, I do believe that there are other ways of handling things rather than war. Again, I don't know what led up to that situation, and I think there's a lot that we're not told, a lot that we don't know. Um, but I, I do believe that it could have been handled more peacefully. I do believe that a lot of what is happening right now could be handled more peacefully, more diplomatically. I don't know the answers. Again, I don't do that for a living. But in my heart, I believe that we can do it. We just are not working in that direction. Is it fair to say you're disappointed the United States is not calling for peace talks between Ukraine and Russia? I just know that we can do better. I, I really believe in my heart that we could be a, uh, an instrument of peace. I, I believe that we can work towards peace throughout the world. I believe that, that for whatever reason we're, we're not doing that, 
Um, I, I just don't see an attempt at that, but maybe I'm mistaken as well. I just believe that we can do better at trying to to be instruments of peace. And, and I hope we can do that. Janet, thank you. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. You too. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. 512-836-0590. Call or text to join the conversation. Well, and that's one of the things that when it comes to Ukraine and Russia is we have heard a lot about we just have to fund Ukraine, just continue to give them the money. We haven't heard much about getting them together to see. And I mean, and this has been going on for two years now. It's not just two months into it and we and we haven't figured it out. They've been at a stalemate for quite some time. So it seems like it would be beneficial to everybody to say, come to the table. How can we work this out? And I don't know if she was just speaking about Ukraine, if she was speaking about a response on Iran, whether or not we should have one or not. But I, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that want war unless their pocket books are benefiting mm-hmm. from them i just don't i don't i just don't think that as a whole the world wants war they want peace here are the numbers 512-836-0590 join the conversation the news is coming up next at the top of the hour it's mark and melinda on klbj maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults aged 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ.